Hello, good morning and welcome back to Stop and Go F1 and the F1 Weekly News Rounder. Now, yet again, I thought maybe we won't have any news to talk about this week, but my God, have we got some news to talk about. We've got to talk about the science appeal, which was rejected, the rumours surrounding Aston Martin's engine supplier for 2026, the McLaren new driver development programme, and also Mercedes technical director roulette, is what I'm calling it there. But uh, before we get into any of that, I just want to say that yesterday a video went out on this channel about the one huge mistake that led to the downfall of the Williams F1 team. It's a really fun video uh, that I really enjoyed making, and hopefully you'll enjoy watching. So make sure you check that out after we're done here. But, um, we start today talking about something that I wasn't 100% sure if I wanted to talk about or not. It was a story that came out earlier this week about uh, Michael Schumacher. And why is my, my computer making all the noises in the world? Sorry about that. I think, I think it's done beeping now. But yes, a story about Michael Schumacher. And quite frankly, it's disgusting. Um, let's just go through it. So, the front cover of a German magazine claimed this week that they had the very first interview with Michael Schumacher since his skiing accident in 2013. But it turned out that they did not have an interview with Michael Schumacher. Instead, they had changed a, they trained a chatbot, AI, to give answers like Michael Schumacher would, and then asked him the questions that they would want to ask the real Michael Schumacher and yeah this is awful this uh, this is the worst I mean AI is something that I am very questionable of anyway which is strange because I use AI quite a bit now um, for example in my YouTube thumbnails I use an AI to remove the background of images or, or add borders to little things and on my other channel I've made loads of videos with little AIs and they're all very fun very fun things but in the background there's always this thing of AI is this scary thing that can be used for bad and here we have something used for very 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 bad I just, I I couldn't believe it when I heard this story it's insane like even if this was a youtube video of a youtuber using an ai to talk to michael schumacher or talk to uh celebrities like this way it would be the most hated thing on youtube but the fact that a, an actual magazine decided to run this because that's not just one person making a mistake that's one person who has an idea and writes it and then is approved by multiple people and this was a this was the front page headline of his face on the front page they knew what they were doing here multiple people approved this i think it's sick it's awful the good thing out of this is that the schumacher family have said they will take legal action which they probably will end up suing these people for hopefully all their worth and this magazine will never run ever again with that is that's the good part of it. I mean, I know as a fan, and as a fan from the time of the Schumacher era, um, we, know, we all want to know how is Michael Schumacher doing. That's something that I often I think about it quite a lot, actually. Because, you know, as a kid, Michael Schumacher was a hero to me. I mean, he retired in 2006, and believe it or not, in 2006, I was 10 years old. So... As a kid, he was every he was like a god. I mean, there were some drivers at the time who were just like, oh yeah, that is a normal person. But Michael Schumacher was not a normal person. Michael Schumacher 
was incredible. He was the best. He was untouchable. There's just something about it. Like, even now, when I go... Oh, there's another beep from the computer. Even now, when I go and go back and look at it again, or look at clips or photos, my heart still kind of skips a beat a little bit, because it's like, oh my god, that's Michael Schumacher. It's madness. There's always just... An, there's something about him that's special. And my computer is still playing up. I do not know what's going on. I do apologise for all the beeps and stuff this morning. But yeah, there's... But at the same time, we you have to respect the privacy of the family. And they've been open many times that they just want to be left alone on this topic. I can't imagine how unbelievably difficult this is for them. And to have all these prying eyes all the time, just not respecting them, not respecting the privacy, not respecting him, it's, it's awful. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And, you know, this isn't going to be the last time something like this happens. Unfortunately, this is going to happen for years to come, which absolutely sucks. So I want to end this on a bit of a high. Uh, so whilst we're talking about Michael Schumacher, leave in the comments your favourite Michael Schumacher moment. We want to talk about the best of Michael Schumacher here in the comment section today. Uh, and I will start with maybe one which is a bit obscure, but it is my favourite Michael Schumacher moment. And it comes from his second era of his career at Mercedes. Um, well, firstly, I always want to say that in his second era of, of Mercedes, there was always something I noticed about him, whereas if it was a practice session or a qualifying session, if there was no cars on the track, often they you put the cars in the in the, in the the uh, pit lane and they show all the drivers and they'll be talking to their engineers or just sat in the car or whatever, and normally the drivers will notice that they're on camera and just kind of ignore it. But Michael Schumacher, every time, if he would notice that he was on camera whilst he was in the car, he would always search out for the camera and give it a wave or a wink. And I always loved that. It's the little things, but I always love that. But the moment for me, which is my favourite Michael Schumacher moment of all time, is his final race, Brazil 2012, where it was Alonso and Vettel for the title. And um, Vettel had the bad start, or I think he got hit by Senna, Bruno Senna, and he'd spun to the back, and he was making his way through to get to the position he needed to win the title. And I think it was sixth, if I remember correctly, he had to get sixth to win the title. And Schumacher was in sixth, and Vettel comes up behind him, and there's a few laps left to go. And I mean, if you know Michael Schumacher, you know he's one of the hardest people to overtake ever. And it's this whole story of Sebastian Vettel, who grew up idolising Michael Schumacher, now has to pass Michael Schumacher to become a four-time world champion. And it's getting built up in everyone's head on oh, the battle of the two German greats to have this here. But Michael, in his final race, just moves aside. He just lets Vettel go through. And he's like, there you go. This is my gift to you. You're my biggest fan. You're a great guy. Here's my gift to you. Go be a four-time world champion. Go be the man. And then when the race ends, I think the first person who hugs Vettel is Michael Schumacher. And, oh, I'm getting a bit emotional now, so I'm going to move on. Let's talk about um, modern-day Formula 1. Carlos Sainz has had his appeal rejected. It was the big story of last week, the Carlos Sainz appeal of his Australian five-second penalty. Uh, but the FIA have said that there is no significance and no significant and relevant new evidence to prompt a hearing to the incident, which I agree with, quite frankly. I think someone told me that the new evidence that Ferrari were bringing was that the sun was in his eyes. But, you know, the sun was in everyone's eyes. I agree that there was no 
I'm not surprised. I said at the end of last week's video that in my heart I knew that he would get rejected here. I mean, I don't want to be repeating what I said basically last week, but the only big thing for me was why didn't Sargent get a penalty? I understand why Gasly didn't get a penalty because it was against his own teammate, but Sargent should have got a penalty and he didn't. So there you go. Right. Flip the notepad over. Reese's notepad. Reese's notebook is called. Uh, it's better than Ted's. It's A4. Um, Aston Martin. Currently, engine supplied by the Mercedes team, but that contract will run out at the end of the 2025 season, making way for the new engine regulations of 2026. And now there has been speculation around what Aston would do. I originally thought they might do a Red Bull and make their own engine suppliers, but I think they have left it too late at this point to do that. I don't think that is a realistic thing that they could do. The idea before, I think, was that they were just going to stick with Mercedes. But the new rumour going around this week is that in 2026, Aston Martin will move to Honda, which could be incredibly beneficial for them. Now, Honda, of course, have been serving Red Bull up until the end of 2021, even though they still kind of do. The Red Bull powertrains is kind of just an evolution of what Honda was when Honda pulled out. Now, Honda are kind of back in again. I think it's Honda Red Bull powertrains. But, of course, in 2026, they will go to Ford and there will be no Honda interaction at all. But Honda have said that they will supply engines for F1 in 2026, although no one has officially signed with them yet. But Aston Honda could be fantastic. Now, we know that Aston are on the up and up and up. They're possibly the second best team on the grid as of right now. If they moved to Honda rather than Mercedes, that would guarantee that they are the number one team using that engine. Because even though right now uh, Aston are beating Mercedes, the Mercedes team will always get preferential treatment in terms of engines. Whatever that means. It, it might just be, you know, Aston's engines are one horsepower less or whatever. But Mercedes will always get the preferential treatment. That's just a fact. Whereas if they went to Honda, either they could be the only team using Honda, but even if there are multiple teams using Honda, they will be the number one team using Honda, guaranteed. Because Red Bull won't go, because they already signed up. Mercedes will use Mercedes, Ferrari will use Ferrari, and unless another team jumps up drastically, it will be Aston who is the number one team using the Honda engine, which is very good for them. So I think that could be a great move. Obviously, we know that Honda have done well in the last few years. They know what they're doing. I think Aston Honda, if it happened, could be very, very good. Now let's talk about another team who was maybe linked to Honda, and that is McLaren. And they've launched their new driver program this week. Uh, now, the McLaren driver program has been around for a while now, and people such as Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton have benefited from this driver program, but it's kind of been redecorated. It's gone from the McLaren Young Driver Program to the McLaren Driver Development Program. The head of it will be Emmanuel Piro, who is the five-time winner of the Mon and former F1 driver, and there are currently three drivers in this program. There is a young driver who's currently in Italian Formula 4, who has a name which is very hard to pronounce, but I will try my best. Here we go. Uh, apologies before I even try and say this. It is Ugo Ugo Kua. I'm sorry. But yes, young driver in Formula 4. Uh, McLaren have got their eyes on him as the next big thing. 
so he is the young driver. There is also two other drivers in this driver development program, and they are two of McLaren's IndyCar drivers. They are Alex Palu and Pato O'Ward. I think I've used to pronounce Alex Palu's name wrong. I've been trying to get into IndyCar. I've only watched one race. It was very enjoyable, though. It was the Long Beach race. I had a wonderful time. Uh, sorry for any mispronouncing of any names. But the question for me comes from this. If you're already in IndyCar, which is like the pinnacle of American single-seater racing, do you need to be in a driver development program? Is That's the big question for me. And it also, a move like this for McLaren... With these two guys, because I know McLaren have an, another couple guys in their IndyCar team who aren't on this young driver team, such as uh, Rossi isn't there. Um, but it just makes IndyCar look, in the eyes of McLaren, like a lesser series, like a feeder series, which it isn't. You know, there's some great drivers there who are working their asses off in some very powerful cars. But if you have your, these are developmental drivers, these are the future of F1. They're also competing at the front of the grid in IndyCar. You know, it's not a great look for your IndyCar team to be basically comparing it to a Formula 2 team or an Italian Formula 4 team. It's, it's an interesting one from McLaren. But let's move on now to our final story of the week, which is the Mercedes Technical Director Roulette. And James Allison has returned as Technical Director of Mercedes. Now, if you aren't aware, he previously held this seat from 2017 to 2021. And before that, let's just go through his career history because it is very impressive. So James Allison was in the aero department of Benetton in the 90s, including their peak when they won the titles in 94 and 95 alongside Ross Braun and Michael Schumacher. He would follow Braun and Schumacher to Ferrari in 2000, where he would go on and help them win five titles. Then in 2005, he left Ferrari, joined Renault, and won two titles there with Fernando Alonso. So James Allison was the man who was part who, who designed the car that won every title from 2000 to 2006. He would then join Mercedes, where he would win every title from 2018 to 2020 then would win the Constructors' Championship in 2021. And he did a lot of interesting things in the middle there as well. Like, he was part of the Lotus-Renault team in, I think, 2012-2013, when they were really on a cup before they just dropped off entirely. He's very good. He is very good at what he does. Now, he left in 2021 and became the Chief Technical Officer of Mercedes-AMG, and also he became the Chief Technical Officer of Ineos Team UK, who are a sailing team with Sir Ben Ainsley. So he was designing stuff for there as well. Um, I'm not really sure why he left. I, I couldn't find why he left. If you know, let me know. But yeah, he left the team in 2021 and was replaced by Mike Elliott, who was the chief technical director for the last two years, who has overseed the Mercedes into the new era of their no-pod design. Now, Mercedes have swapped them round. Mike Elliott has now the chief technical officer of Mercedes-AMG. I think James Allison is still on that sailing team. I don't know. Um, so what is interesting here is obviously this is a move from Mercedes to get them back to the front of the grid. They're bringing back the man who knows how to get cars to the front of the grid. Um, but I feel the timing of this is just a bit odd. One second, let me turn my notebook over here so I can look at my notes here. So... A few weeks ago in an interview, Toto Wolff said 
that James Elson was not coming back to the team and that we would see new upgrades to the Mercedes in either Baku or Imola. So it's looking, it depends on who you read and what interview you read, where, that in, where those upgrades are coming, but it seems it will be either Baku or in Imola. So these upgrades have been in the works for a few months now. Um, there was a the whole thing after Bahrain where he says back to the drawing board, we need a whole new idea, blah, blah, blah. That's been in the works under the leadership of Mike Elliott. So when these upgrades come in, whichever race that will be, the technical director will be James Allison, who may have an entirely different viewpoint on how exactly the car should work. So as much as I do think that bringing James Allison in is the right thing to do, it's the safe thing to do, and you know he has got the history of being able to make championship winning cars, he's the guy that Mercedes should have at the head of the technical director, I feel that maybe this is the wrong time to do that. And I feel that maybe, even though eventually this will be a step forward in the long term, in the short term, this may be a step back. Because you're going to bring in all these new upgrades that have been designed under the eyes of Mike Elliott and give them to a man who may colossally disagree with them. I think Mercedes have taken another step back here. And it might be years again now. They're years behind everyone else. They're years behind Red Bull. And I really... I don't... Mercedes is such an interesting one because I feel like this is a good idea and the right step forward but it is just admitting that they were wrong all along. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the team reacts to when these new upgrades come in, especially if James Ellison looks at them and goes, no, that's actually completely wrong. What are you even thinking? It's a really interesting one uh, for Mercedes, and yeah, it's going to be going to be a good one to watch, I think, to see how this turns out. There's no doubt that they'll, they'll still be a competitive team. We saw that in Australia. You know, Lewis finishing second, and Lewis and Ma- Lewis and George trying to get in the jump off Max off the lead. But I think they're going to become one of those teams this year where it's really track dependent. If the track suits their car, they'll be strong. Whereas teams like Aston and Red Bull will be strong everywhere. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the drama continues inside the Mercedes team. I don't think it will ever stop. But you know what will stop? this F1 news video. I hope you have enjoyed. We'll be back next Thursday. Because you know what? Biggest news of all, F1 is back next week. So we'll have the Baku Grand Preview. There you go. little pun for you there. Then we have qualifying on the Friday because it's the sprint race. So qualifying reaction. Sprint on the Saturday. So we'll have a reaction to the sprint race. Then I'm going away on Sunday. Funnily enough, I don't know where I'm going, but I'll try and watch the race and then there'll be a race reaction on the Sunday. At some point, there'll be uh, driver ratings, all that kind of stuff. So make sure you subscribe for all that that will be coming next week. If you want more stuff, there's loads of videos on this channel, including the one that came out yesterday about the Williams team. So watch that. Until then, that's all I've really got time for. That's all I wanted to say. Have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic weekend. Uh, up the town. Rex, I'm going to win the league today. Uh, apart from that, see you later. Bye!